Welcome to The She Births Show, a place to inspire your birth, evolve your parenting and help you live a life you love. I'm Nadine Richardson, your host and creator of the scientifically verified birth education program, She Births. I'm also a mother, yoga teacher, doula, author and speaker. At She Births, we have supported thousands of families around the world for over 13 years with our unique program. And our vision is to make birth better for every family around the world so that everyone experiences a beautiful birth no matter what unfolds. Not only do we help people have beautiful births, but we also give them the skills and the philosophy to enjoy pregnancy and make parenting easier. As well as our world-class birth ed, taken either face-to-face or online in our app, we also have a free pregnancy guide designed to help you feel calm, connected and inspired as you and your baby grow. We have a doula matching service, the perfect way to ensure you and your partner are completely supported throughout the whole journey. And we have our soul mama circles, which are the perfect postpartum network to help optimize your mindset and design your life in parenthood. Remember, if you like what you hear today, subscribe, share with a friend and leave us a review. If you're a parent about to be one, fellow health professional, join us now for an inspirational deep dive into topics with experts around the globe. We hope you enjoy this special episode. Today's podcast is a beautiful story of love, magic, loss, and ecstasy. Lauren Godfrey Love and Lauren Fitzgerald Love, both meditation teachers, share the story of their daughter's birth, and all the magical moments that led up to her arrival. This is much more than a birth story. We talk about conceiving during COVID across multiple borders with Goldie's dad, Lauren G's mum passing away during pregnancy and the inclusion of her spirit at the birth. We discuss how a partner's fear and distress can arise during birth from their own birthing imprints. Talk about the benefit of working with skilled midwives to help malposition during labor, getting great postpartum support when family and friends are not around, Maori traditions, soul mama circles, and more. I really hope you enjoy the story as much as I did. I couldn't think of a better way to celebrate this Mother's Day than with a double mama family like Lauren G and Lauren F. They are just amazing and I'm so grateful. Welcome to the She Births show. It's so lovely to have you both, all three of you, Goldie tucked away down there. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) Thank you for having us. How are you both? We're good. We had a really good sleep last night, so we're feeling pretty good. (laughs) And happy wedding anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Number one. Yes. We've made it so far. You have. I mean, first year of marriage and now I think we always need a, a trophy that first year of child rearing as well. It's a big, yeah. intense, like, like 
escalating curve of learning. So, yeah, it's a wild ride. It's awesome. How many weeks in are you now? How old is little Goldie? She's she was 10, 10 weeks on Monday. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she's only 10 weeks. <laughs> it's so cute. Well, Lauren and Lauren, thanks for coming on and for sharing your story. For those people who um, are just tuning in, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you do and maybe a bit about your background, your love story as well, how you ended up here, you know. Holding a 10-year-old in your arms. <laughs> um, well, I'm Lauren G and this is, we just say Lauren G and Lauren F because that helps our um, people in our lives to know who we are. <laughs> um, and uh, we're both Vedic meditation teachers. Um, we met uh, through meditation um, just over three years ago, actually. Um, and uh, do you want to <laughs> I'm not really sure where to start um, we met uh, on an Indian uh, retreat in India with our teacher Tom Knowles I think you were actually there Nadi no I, are the 2021 no is that when you met no the year before the year yeah before. the year before yeah yeah, yeah. Um, were you there I was there in the January 2020, just before COVID hit, the re- that abundance retreat. Yeah, it was so good. The COVID retreat. <laughs> um, and, yeah, um, Lauren had actually applied to be on, uh, become a teacher with um, Tom, our teacher, and I'm one of the course leaders on that um, teacher training, where I have been. And... Um, so I'd interviewed her because um, there's an interview process that we go through for teachers to apply. And it was interesting because, um, you know, when we first met, like via that interview, I was quite hangry and tired <laughs> and ready to get the interview over and done with and get my dinner into me. And so we had a we had an exchange and she was approved to go on to the teacher training and we went on retreat and over the course of while well, you share that over the course of 10 days you kind of well, fell in love with me <laughs> I fell in love with Lauren G long before that retreat actually wow it's, it's looking back that I realized that that was happening Aww. but I, I couldn't tell you why that there was I mean I can tell you what what I love about her so much now but yes it was just an unexpected attraction to someone I hadn't even met yet not in person wow um, and we really got to meet for the first time on retreat mm-hmm. and I started to recognize this feeling as love this a- attraction that I'd felt for some time for someone I didn't know it was felt suspiciously like love and it didn't make <laughs> sense uh, it was completely illogical, but it was also something that couldn't be ignored. Um, and that feeling became clearer over the course of the retreat. It became fonder and fonder. And, uh, and then from the retreat, we moved into the, the teacher training that I was a participant on, which was three months in India. And as Lauren G mentioned, she was one of the course leaders on that retreat. So it was a a complicating time on the inside for me 
um, to be. It would have been so hard because you're not really allowed to sort of be entertaining romance and and not meant to trust those feelings either, are you? Because you're all in this bliss consciousness state and like meeting in the sort of astral planes. It's sort of, I've seen it happen on retreats, been there, done that. (laughs) Exactly. Alarm bells. Yeah. Um, and I was certainly not in India to fall in love. I was in India yeah. to become a teacher and expand my consciousness. Uh, and so this was sort of untimely for my individuality. And it was something that on paper I needed to suppress and squash down and ignore to get on with the business of, of study. But it was impossible to nature wouldn't let me ignore the feelings so they were there they were shelved no action was taken uh do you want to jump in yeah and then I came back for the last two weeks of teacher training I really liked Lauren when I was the course leader I, I really enjoyed her there was a real sweetness about her um and I remember asking um the initiator training assistant another teacher who was there to I said do you think Lauren might be gay? And she was like, I don't know. And we just kind of left it at that. And I got to the end. We came, I came back um, uh, from New Zealand for the last two weeks of the training to help Tom graduate them. And I just started to have thoughts about Lauren. Like I, you know, I was like, oh, she's got really lovely arms. And, you know, <laughs> you know, she's got such nice hair and <laughs> she's so tall and I wish I was tall like that, you know, not really understanding the thoughts I was having or the feelings I was having because I'd never been with a woman before. I'd always been with men. Never really entertained the idea. I, I, I've joked many times about how I think it would be easier to be in a relationship with a woman because, you know, sometimes men can be a bit challenging depending on your experience. But um you know, I, I didn't recognize these thoughts and feelings as attraction or desire or anything like that. And I spent two weeks there kind of becoming a bit obsessive, like, (laughs) what was she doing? (laughs) You know, um, really confused and then started thinking, oh no, this is just like you said, the retreat bliss kind of stress release. I'm just having these thoughts. I'm getting sucked into it. It's, it's not me. It's them, you know, like, and just really struggling. And um, I remember looking through my, looking through her Facebook photos and going, is she a lesbian? Like, <laughs> does she look like a lesbian? Are there any other girls that she's hanging out with? And, and then I was like, do I look like a lesbian? So I went through my Facebook page and I was like, looking, I was like, yeah, I could pass for a lesbian. And then I was like, looking at all my friends, I'm like, but they could turn. I'm like, what does a lesbian even look like? I'm like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? Like just these crazy obsessed thoughts and it basically culminated in her graduating because remembering that I'm like a course leader it's wildly inappropriate to like hit on (laughs) one of the students (laughs) but she graduated and I wasn't even going to do anything I'd we'd developed a bond I'd invited her to come to New Zealand and to, to assist me with my teaching so that she could get some you know in-person training and what it's like to be a teacher and um 
on you know I'd said why don't you come to Bali and um, I was on my way to Bali on the way home and we can chat about it and in my mind I'm like thinking I wonder if we can get a room and this a room together <laughs> and maybe it'll accidentally be like a queen bed instead of two singles and I'm like oh my god what is wrong with me wow and she graduated and I really honestly feel that I had um one of those out-of-body experiences where nature, where the universe was moving me into action rather than me, little individual me, making the decision. And uh, they'd graduated. We had two more days on the initiated training to go. We were going to meet Maharaji and have him bless their graduation and approve them as teachers. And um, he's like the, um, you know, he's like the king of the yogis in, in India and he, um, plays a role in their teacher training and anyway um we'd finished I'd gone to meditate we were going to have dinner and um we were <laughs> I was in my meditation completely distracted with thoughts about her came down I was like just go and sit with her at dinner and it will just quell the you know these thoughts these pesky thoughts it's kind of like my Ramesh Wadham anyone knows that story so I said I saw an empty plate of food and I was like that must be her everyone else is here and I sat down and it was our ended up being our Scottish friend Billy and he was chatting away to me and it was like he was speaking Ewok or something <laughs> I was just like I couldn't I couldn't even listen to him. Yeah. I'm sitting there and suddenly he's mid-conversation. Apparently I was supposed to be helping him with something, answer some questions he needed help with. And I just looked at him and I said, I have to go. <laughs> and I stood up and I just walked out of the dinner room and I went and found her and I said, I need to talk to you. And I had this really serious look on my face and she thought she was being told that she's no longer, we but made I a mistake. In trouble. You know, you're not allowed to graduate. <laughs> And I said, I brought her into my room and this whole time I really felt like wow. I was barely there. It felt like something really holy was taking place. And we went and sat on the bed in my room and I said, I need to tell you something. I'm, I, and I need to tell you because um, I don't, if you want to come to Bali with me, I need to be honest with you. And that is that I'm having feelings for you and they're not teacher student feelings, they're romantic feelings and I just thought I'd better tell you that before before you come and then I just stopped and then suddenly I, it was like I came back into my body and I was like what have you done oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh my god and then Lauren bless her is very thoughtful and very will take her time to always find the right words that's one of her beautiful traits but she took an extraordinarily long time, like literally five minutes before she <laughs> did anything. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating because five minutes is a long time. Wow, that's a really long time. <laughs> she did look at me at one point and put her hand on my hand and like, oh, like this. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, I've totally made a mistake. She doesn't feel this way for me. Um, and basically I told her. I feel the same way <laughs> in a very long, elaborate way of saying that. Yeah. And and then I was like, oh, my God, now, like, we might have to kiss and I've never kissed a girl. What if I don't like Oh, my God. <laughs> so it was a very... Um, a very interesting we're giving you such a long-winded story of this I episode. love it <laughs> but anyway it was a very and we kissed and it was fine and, 
it was good it was good it was good and um from there like I mean it was just like nature had put us together and we kind of feel nature put us together totally this baby you know look at it look how fast it's all just flowed yes within within three days of that moment that Lauren just described we had told one another that we loved each other we told one another we'd like to marry we'd like to have children together we went to Bali off the back of India where it really felt like we spent five days in this private bliss bubble where we got to um, do things in reverse and that was to start to learn who we'd just fallen in love with totally rather than learn that first and then realize oh this is this is love yeah we fell in love and then and then we've been learning ever since (laughs) who who one another is uh and within a very short space of time well we came straight back introduced one another to our family straight away and this is two two women I had been in same-sex relationships before but I had no intention of going back to that until Lauren G came along so it was really unexpected for us and for families yeah um but we were just we felt like we were in such flow that we just launched straight out into the world as a couple and were welcomed with open arms by all including our beautiful families and I relocated almost immediately from Sydney which was my home to Auckland and we were engaged by the end of the year yeah and and married when COVID allowed that to happen a yeah. year ago today yeah which was wow. after, after two, two we two married years. on the anniversary of that moment that we've just described oh. yeah. <laughs> wow yeah. and we eloped because oh I think elopement sounds what we decided to marry just with the two of us and uh, two of our friends who are now um, uh, Goldie's godparents, mm. New Zealand godparents. She has some Australian godparents as well. Mm. We just add, we add, like to add in lots of, lots of people. Totally. Um, yeah. And it's been an amazing time. And within a month of our wedding, we were pregnant. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So we had decided that we wanted kids really early on. And we'd investigated lots of different options, including in Sydney, we saw some fertility specialists, um, a lovely, lovely lady, Dr. Bronwyn Devine, who was just wonderful. Um, She recommended that we try a chirobank. Am I saying it wrong? I always get it wrong. Um, for a sperm donor and we went online and for us personally as a same-sex couple we did have a grieving process and not being able to um, have each other's biology involved in the making of a baby and we Mm. did kind of explore the idea of how we might make that happen but it just did not feel charming to us in any way Um, so we went to the cryobank and we just personally and every couple was different we felt like it was for us it felt like tinder for sperm and it was just like not appealing at Mm. all and we felt we don't know who these people are we don't know how they live how they treat their bodies 
what their personality traits are and we just got very turned off the the idea Mm -hmm. and so we were okay we've got to find another option and so one day I just felt very charmed I was in a cafe I was doing some work and I got onto Facebook and I went through every single male friend on my Facebook list which is pretty long and um suddenly came across this person and you were looking for potential donors potential you? donors yeah, yeah. I was like, who's gonna yeah and why not I mean that makes total yeah. sense that yeah <laughs> and then I stumbled across this person and I was like of course who else could it possibly be other than this guy and so our very dear friend Ross uh, who lives in Sydney um, was the person and we'd actually met him on retreat um that's I'd met him a year before but it was the first year you'd met him uh, I'd met him at group meditation oh had you before. okay yeah mm-hmm. so but we didn't know one another well yeah and such a lovely guy slightly older than us a gay man beautiful sweet energy been meditating for 30 years or so 35 years I think mm-hmm. and um I rang Lauren and I said, I found our donor. And she said, who is it? And I said, Ross. And she goes, oh my God, of course. I said, okay, I'm going to ask him. She's like, what? I was like, come on, let's just ask him. So I rang him, I think. And he's like, hello, darling, how are you? And I said, great. And I said, do you want to be our donor? And he was like, yeah absolutely wow Wow. he didn't even need to like say oh give me a night or so to think about it no he just knew how beautiful yeah and he also said would I be able to sit to meet the baby could I be involved in some way and that took me aback a little bit because at that stage we were still feeling like no we want a donor and um, rather than a dad and I was like yeah I'm sure that we'll come and visit and you'll get to meet her and all that sort of thing and so we started this process of going okay when are we going to do this and how will we do it um, and then I started having this feeling that it was really interesting I bought this pregnancy book Sacred Beginnings I think it's called about 10 years ago never read it suddenly felt the urge to pick it up, picked it up, opened it, and it talked about the importance, the role the father plays in in a child's life. And it was very beautiful the way that they described it. And I honestly didn't read any other part of that book, but it was just the page I opened to it. And I suddenly had this real deep connection with this future child feeling like, I want this man to be part of my life, not just as a donor, but as a parent. And I sat with it for a few weeks because I was nervous about approaching Lauren with it because she'd been feeling the same way as me. We just want a donor, not a dad. And then I said, I've got to confess something to you. I'm having these really strong feelings. And she said, oh my God, I'm so glad because I've just started having the same feelings. Wow. Wow. And so we went back to Ross and we said, look we've been talking and we actually really feel that we want you to be play a real active parenting role we'd, we'd like you to be dad not donor and he was like amazing I'm in a hundred percent very excited about it wow and so then I think I'd been very keen to give birth yeah so mm-hmm. we did talk about it and Lauren was really really happy for me to go first mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And that year that we went to India on the same retreat as you was we were the first time we were all going to be together. With Ross. With Ross. Oh, right. And so we found out about, we thought about doing IVF, we thought about doing IUI, but I didn't really want to do the hormonal stuff if we didn't have to because like with all the drugs and things because we'd been tested and I knew that my mum had given birth to my little brother when she was 44 wow and I had this feeling that I'd probably be not have any challenges with fertility because um, of that I kind of just had a feeling and we went and got tested and it looked really positive um, the results and so I thought why don't we just try this without using any reproductive technology yeah and we were very very fortunate mm -hmm. to be able to do that um, we found a thing called mosey kit um, mosey baby. baby sorry mm -hmm. and wow. this little kit that's a specially designed syringe so instead of the turkey baster you actually have something proper that works and we timed the ovulation we were doing wow. the, checking, the temperature the cervical fluid we were but we were also really simple about it we yeah. weren't calculated yeah we were very there, relaxed there wasn't <laughs> Some a days. lot of effort applied yeah it was a relaxed way yeah and then we were in was Bali. this in Rishikesh we were in Bali on our way um, to India where we no. were meeting up with Ross yeah oh so it's like December 2019 yeah yeah right we, we flew I it was I was like, we were in our last couple of days in Bali and I said, I think I'm ovulating. Like we need to get to India, but we didn't rush. We, sh we messaged Ross and said, you know, when we meet up in Delhi, that's when we're going to have to do it because. <laughs> wow. We, oh yeah. <laughs> we <were> like, <laughs> Most hygienic city in the world. <laughs> So we landed and he landed like maybe an hour before us and we both went to our separate hotels and then we said, come over. And we thought he was going to come over and maybe use our bedroom and we'd go like have some tea in the hotel restaurant or something. or something. But he just shows up and he's a very funny guy and he goes, hello, darlings. We're up in the door. Hello, darlings. Here you go. And he Oh my god and he gave it to us and um I was like oh my god we've got to do this thing now and you know he'd been tested done all the stuff yeah. and um and so had we and so we used the mosey kit and legs up the wall and then um we were in India uh, we went up to Rishikesh for the retreat and we all got sick and the Rajus were there our Ayurvedic doctors and they checked my pulse and they said yes you're pregnant wow week and because you're sick and because of some of the supplements, I didn't realize I was taking, what's that thing called? Worm, worm Wormwood. Yeah, the antiparasitic one. I had no idea that it was bad for um, like when you're pregnant. And yeah. so I bled basically um, after my, and so it was quite a challenging time. Um, but then COVID hit and we couldn't do anything. Wow. And, we were back home in New Zealand and we waited and waited and waited and we were quite happy and patient to wait. Like we weren't feeling 
we weren't thinking about we it. We weren't much, thinking really. about it. It was just like there was this pause in yeah. in proceedings in trying to get pregnant. Yeah. And then Ross rang us one day. He rang me actually, and he said, "Hi. Um. So I had a dream last night, and this is all very." spiritual (laughs) and he said I had a dream last night and there was a baby that came to me and said you need to get a move on you need to make this happen you need to and so he rang me and he said you know do you let's make it happen I'm like but how are we going to do it because we can't travel to each other and um he said let's do IVF and we were like you know COVID to been really challenging financially for us and we're like we can't afford it and he was like I'll pay for it I've just had some money come in and we're just like blown away by his generosity but then we didn't need it so we looked into how we were going to get his sperm with the clinic and that was going to mean that you have to wait I think six months before you're allowed to use it when you use a donor in New Zealand so someone can donate but you give the sperm donor like six months um, to change their mind I think and right. also get the things the sperm tested and frozen and shipped frozen. And yeah it was it was big it was going to be a while and then suddenly the borders opened up between Australia and New Zealand and I we were like okay let's have a look and I was like well my period's due here and I guess I'll probably be ovulating around here I'll just book a flight for then we happened to be moving into a new house Lauren bless her moved us by herself with the movers but it was a big job yeah. I flew off to Sydney had her parents pick us up pick me up. up from the airport <laughs> and they'd known that we were trying um that I, the reason I was coming without Lauren was because we were trying to get pregnant and they know Ross and love him and I was staying with Ross, which we stay with them usually when we come to Sydney anyway. And, they and you're were, only there a few days, weren't you? A few days, Four days, yeah. And they said, are we allowed to ask who the donor is? And I was like, I think you know. And they're like, is it Ross? And we were like, yes. And they were like, yeah. And I was so excited because I love him. And I showed up and I said, oh, my God, I'm, I think I'm ovulating, like, and we wow. had some time because we knew that this was going to happen. We'd had like a, maybe a few weeks or a month or something. And we'd been taking, I'd been taking some Ayurvedic um, medicine and herbs and been chatting to one of the doctors. And it was quite amazing actually, because I messaged them and said um, that we're going to try. And they're like, let us check the Jyotish times. So yeah. the, I, you know the astrology astrology, the vedic astrology yeah Yeah. and they said okay this is the time that we want you to do it between this time and this time and it was like 10 o'clock at night and I was like trying to keep my eyes open because it's like midnight in New Zealand and um we're going to give you a special mantra and we want you to listen to it seven times and it was a very beautiful mantra specifically for us um and Ross needs to listen to it seven times before he does his part and then you need to listen to it seven times before you wow. uh, do your part. And we did that. And then we did it again the next day, just to be sure. And then on the third day, I found ovulation fluid in my um, underwear again. And I was like, I think we should try a third time. Yeah. And so we did that. And we didn't do it with the astro- astrology time. We just did it off the back. You know, Ross came home from work and there we did. We did it. We listened <laughs> to the mantra and... 
that time I hadn't bothered with checking my ovulation apart from you know it was obvious that it had happened I I wasn't doing temperature I was like I'm not doing any of that I just feel like we just need to go in and nature will tell us what we need to do like I'm not doing any checking and got home oh actually COVID locked our border while I was there Um, and I was like I just knew that it was going to be fine that we'd get back and got back and took a pregnancy test on the first day of my miss period and it was positive and I honestly even though everything seemed to be working like towards this beautiful thing was in shock Mm. like absolute shock and you were over the moon and so excited and I was just like had my mouth my jaw on the floor for about two hours like oh my god I just couldn't believe that it had happened and so smoothly yeah but we also were were not surprised at the same time this really odd of course this was going to work yeah and yet how on earth did this work Yeah. (laughs) yeah So that was our conception, and um, sure enough, got really sick, got nauseous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was really unwell for eighteen weeks. By week eighteen, starting to feel a lot better and be able to get back into teaching again, ready to hit the road, go hard, make as much money, teach as many students, get them all judged up before I wasn't going to be there for (laughs) six months on maternity leave, and we hit the road to head down to Wellington and literally the whole country locked down and we had to turn around and drive back to Auckland and we were in lockdown till the end of our pregnancy. So it was a little, I had a lot of grief around not being able to share this pregnancy experience with my family and friends. Um, But it was a blessing in disguise because I rested so much through Mm -hmm. my pregnancy. I tend to work really hard when I can and I was just forced to rest and I think it's a really great thing for the baby and for us and um but it was sad like we didn't have a baby shower we didn't get to see anybody we were at home all the time yeah and you didn't get to share this big beautiful belly yeah with with people molecule to molecule so there was a loss there but yeah but the rest was such a gift yeah it was because I know that I would have probably overdone it actually nature kind of forced that on Mm me and then um when I was about 30 weeks um my mum went into hospital she went into ICU and it might have been a bit later than I can't really remember 32 weeks and we were in lockdown the rest of the country wasn't it was just Auckland and it was a bit of a shock. We knew she wasn't well. She'd been kind of saying to us for the last few weeks that she wasn't well. And we'd been trying to get her to go to the doctor. She's very, she loves her natural stuff and she doesn't like doctors and, you know, things had really gotten bad. And um, I had been trying to get my little brother and my other brother who weren't in lockdown to get her to the doctor. And um, they were they hadn't been able to manage it um and my sister-in-law said why don't you just call an ambulance because then she'll be forced to go and I was like no no that's so dramatic and then 
my little brother Liam went in one morning and um, she was very, very unwell. And he said, Mum, I'm going to have to call an ambulance. And she, um, they picked her up and she was in hospital and they hadn't even told us that she was in ICU. They just said, oh, Mum's in hospital. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I, I'm going to see if I can get an exemption to come down. And um, I said, Liam, I can get an exception exemption, but it sounds like she has to be so sick that she's almost dying. Like I was kind of scared to say it. And he said, that's where we're at. And I just, I was so shocked. I was like, what, what, what is happening? Can you please get the doctor to ring me? Cause he's, he's young, you know, he's 20, 20 years old at the time. And um, they rang me and they just said, your mum's gone into organ failure. Her kidneys are failing, her heart's failing you need to get here and we just started um teaching a course mid-course we're teaching outside under our gazebos and um just stand up with her (laughs) sorry jiggle yeah and yeah and then I said to the nurse, can I, it was a Friday, I said, can I, do you think it'll be okay to come on Sunday? And she said, no, I think you should come today. And I was just like, oh my God, wow, what is going on? And so we managed to scramble and get the exemptions. We couldn't leave till Saturday because we needed negative COVID tests and it takes time to get the results. And we went down and we went in and I couldn't believe it when I saw my mom, she was in ICU. and she was very sick and the doctors were saying, you know, it's just going to be a matter of days before she passes. But as is often the case, I think when family rally around someone, she kind of perked up Yeah. and she started to improve. Um, but she'd always said to us, I don't, I don't want to live a, a quality, quality of life that means that I'm going to be sick and in a hospital bed or in a coma or anything. You know, I want to be... I don't want you to try and maintain that kind of living for me. And so we talked with the doctors um, and said, can you just end all the care apart from pain relief? Cause she's ready to go. And we were there by her bedside for about 10 days and then she passed. And um, it was a beautiful time, really beautiful. She, we had a really wonderful happy family time together my brothers were there our partners um, my nieces and um, I got her to do a little um, video message for Goldie um, which I haven't been brave enough to watch since (laughs) she hadn't managed to um, get Goldie anything I'd asked her to make a quilt she was a quilter and um, she hadn't been able to do that because she'd been too sick and she'd kind of hidden it from us and it was also hard because I think she disengaged a little bit from my pregnancy especially at the end because I think she knew that if she really engaged in it and thought about it then she might try to stay and um and she didn't want that she really wanted to go so we all gave her our blessing to go and um, and then she died. And um, yeah, it was hard because I think I had a few things pop up physically for me in my pregnancy at that point. I had my left leg swell up and we thought it might be a DVT. And my mum had had DVTs in her pregnancy. Um, 
And so I had to go and get scanned. And because I'd come from Auckland, everyone was terrified of us Aucklanders because that's where COVID was contained in the country at the time. And so I was shunted into this weird waiting room and corridor and um, got a scan and everything was fine. And then I started to experience all this pain. Wow. And um, the maternity ward there were amazing. They they knew that I was there because mum wasn't well and they just looked after us and they were so sweet and they did lots of monitoring and I think emotionally I was just holding on. And so yeah. at Constipator I had a lot of gas. I had a lot of um, Braxton Hicks and um, baby's just getting nappy changed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's all right, Goldie. <laughs> I know, he's so horrible. Andy's <laughs> off and all the air on your bottom. <laughs> so hard. And now for a quick break. At SheBirths, the mother is at the centre of everything we do. We believe that birth and matrescence is a sacred rite of passage. And we believe that the journey is unique for everyone. Wherever you are in your journey, SheBirths is here to support you. Starting with our free pregnancy guide, which offers you six months of weekly support. You will receive nourishment for body, mind and soul via your inbox and engage with content within our free app. Enjoy yoga videos, recipes, birth affirmations, course discounts, and so much more to help you feel calm, connected, and inspired for birth. Sign up online to our free pregnancy guide on our website, shebirths.com, and download our free app today in any app store. Um, so, yeah, it was full on, but then mum passed and then we had the service, which we organised ourselves. She said, I don't want you wearing black. I want it to be a happy occasion. I want you to celebrate and just have fun. And I don't want it to be in a church. I want it to be somewhere with a beautiful view of the ocean. And we managed all of those things and we managed to keep within the COVID limits of, you know, I can't remember how many it was, but, and then a few days later, I just had this massive release. Like it was like my body finally let go and oh, it was so good. And the pain just stopped and, we came back to Auckland, back to lockdown again. Um, and yeah, and then Omicron came. <laughs> and so because we were concerned because I was pregnant and pregnant women are, you know, um, more susceptible, we stayed in lockdown even when yeah. and finally came out of lockdown. So really did have a lockdown pregnancy. And we decided to have a home birth Um right from the word go Lauren wasn't so sure about it to start with but then um she had family friends that had always home birth and realized I don't know why I'm feeling unsure about this and so our beautiful midwife who um only really works with LGBTQ plus um, families was just wonderful and was able to do that um and was a great support to me I had a really interesting thing happened to me basically once I became pregnant became very worried all the time you know my mind was just constantly concerned about all the things and I think it happens probably to a lot of women 
but it was a new experience. Google just feeds off it. (laughs) She banned me from Googling. We bought a Doppler. I was like, we need to change. You bought it. I bought a Doppler. Um, and you know, our midwife was like rolling her eyes. She's like, that's not, a, you know, that's, you need to ring me if you're concerned. I'm like, okay. So we did that. I did that. Um, and I have always had this weird, where has it come from fear of childbirth since I was a baby? Like since I was a kid, ever since I can remember thinking about childbirth, I've been terrified of it. And you know, just no idea where that's come from other than probably feeling like it was imprinted, you know, from maybe my mum's birth or maybe it's an ancestral thing in our biology. Um, What's that science called? I can't remember what it's called. Where those memories are there in your body. In the epigenetics. like Epigenetics, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't remember mum ever telling me any terrifying stories of birth. I don't remember reading anything terrifying, but for some reason I was so scared and so I knew I'd been, we'd chatted many times before you and I about childbirth and our shared passion about supporting mums. And yeah. I was, knew that I was going to do she births um, and kind of had really wanted to come to Australia and do it with yeah. you personally. But actually it was a bit of a blessing doing it online because I was so overwhelmed by childbirth and I don't usually feel fearful about anything in my life. I'm quite not trying to big myself up, but I really don't feel fear a lot of the time about things. I'm very kind of a fearless person around many things, but for some reason, this thing was the thing that really gripped me. And we watched it the first day, the online course and um after half an hour I was like okay that's all I can manage today <laughs> I was wow. yeah, she had to microdose. I microdose. Yeah, you were microing <laughs> <laughs> so we did it like half an hour when did we start it was we were co- we felt late, like we were it? quite late and we were like we should have started earlier but I just we did it at the perfect time yeah. you know it, it doesn't matter it was it was probably at about 36 weeks, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Close and to. or 35, maybe. It, it wasn't that late, but it, we probably wish that we'd done it a bit earlier. We as soon had as we quite started. a lot going on. We did. Yeah, we did actually. And I think that was probably why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um and then it built up and then we started looking forward to it. And then, you know, it was became a oh, let's do some she births. Like we just loved it. Mm-hmm. And although that unknowing of what birth would be like and the kind of nervousness around it didn't go ever mm. until I was after she'd come, <laughs> um, we, I didn't feel that same way. And I was like, I can do this. And um, one of the things that was really important to us was um, having some really good support. And when I was with mum, at her deathbed that's such a weird word to you sorry <laughs> when she was dying um mum's best friend um had driven up from wellington and had been there she just dropped her whole life and came to be with us yeah. she thinks it's very funny goldie um and I just realized that I needed her to be at the birth wow I asked her nice. you come and she said, yeah, because we hadn't organized a doula, we wanted a doula, but we felt like we'd left it really late. Yeah. 
And I thought we really learned the the power and importance of a doula via the shebirth yeah. course. Yeah. By then we're into the late 30 weeks and we were like, Yeah, are we gonna be able to find one and the right one? Yeah. So we didn't end up, did we? No, we didn't. But we got the next best thing, yeah. which was Megan. Megan. And she was like the mum that I needed, that mum energy I needed there. And she was also connected to my mum. And it just, you know, she's yeah. a beautiful lady and you just feel wrapped up in her hugs. And, and she was so excited and so thrilled to be asked. And we also asked a friend of ours, Bri, who was amazing and she's... Um, she came for two weeks actually and um, so the two of them were here in the house and we had well they were living in your house waiting for the day it felt like this amazing kind of village of beautiful exciting people Mm -hmm. and we had a lot of fun and I wasn't I was very comfortable in my third trimester like I you know I couldn't walk for ages but we'd go for a little walk every day and um we made eggplant parmigiana <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> we nice. had a dinner that night. Megan had made it and um, I had some aches overnight, then some very minor contractions at like three in the morning and Megan woke up because she could hear us and we were three, of, we were, three of us were excited <laughs> talking. Do you think it's happening? And then it kind of faded and I said, I think it's faded. So let's go back to sleep. And we did. And nothing happened. And then at lunch, we had Parmigiana again. (laughs) In the night, we um, had a little snooze and we woke up from the snooze, probably, it was a late snooze. And it was about 6.40 or something in the evening. evening. And I started to feel like little, you know, movements. And then... One of the things that I'd asked mum earlier on before I knew she was unwell when I was chatting to her on the phone was, can you tell me about your births? Wow. I, I need to know, like, I want to know everything. Like I was asking everyone about everything. Um, and that was like a fear thing. But she told me, you know, all of you were really quick. And she said, I did the antenatal course and they said that it'll build up slowly and you'll get... Um, pardon <laughs> that's a good fatty <laughs> you can always blame it on a baby <laughs> but that was her <laughs> and um yeah mum said they said that it would take ages but I started and my contractions were five minutes apart and you were born five hours later yeah then your brother was born three hours later and um my youngest brother you know, that induced her because she needed, because she was older, the obstetrician wanted her to, he wanted, it was basically boxing day and he wanted to go on holiday. So they had to induce her. Um, And so I, in my mind had decided that I would have a birth like my mum. And I'd been told that people who um, often birth like their mothers. And I think it would have been, I'd so fixed on that in my mind. I think it would have been a real shock if it hadn't been a quick labor, Mm -hmm. but it was. Um, Wow. I went from just a few kind of random contractions to um, an hour later being uh, three and 10, you know, uh, contractions of one minute and and 
is that 10? Oh, yeah. Okay. I've, yeah. Yeah. About two, two and a half minutes apart. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And um, because it was so quick and because I hadn't had any kind of real proper lead up time, I was like thinking I'm like at the start of like 12 yeah. hours maybe. And I'm like, if this is the sensation, I'm not going to be able to handle childbirth. And also I probably hadn't had time to build up the endorphins. We love that yes. part of like she births as well, understanding all of that. You know, we hadn't had really time to do any of the practices. We'd just been hanging around. Um, the, Megan and Bride taking our dogs for a walk and Lauren had to ring them and say, I think you need to come back. I think we need to fill the birth pool. And like, you know, like, I think we need your help. And we were just bouncing around and we hadn't done any of the she practices and actually apart from the breathing we didn't end up doing any of them but we were so grateful that we had them like that we knew yeah. they were yeah and so I felt like I'm not going to be able to handle this I need to go to the hospital I need to have a um a baby, baby brain and um so Lauren rang the midwife. I texted, oh, you her. texted her. I had been texting her the, the timings of the contractions. I was really shocked at how fast it was all going. And I, so I was texting her, keeping her up to date. And then when we really had some consistency of the, the three and 10 minutes, I texted her again and was, was like, I, I told her Lauren G's she's getting a little negative in the things that she's saying and she hadn't been. She said she wants to go to the hospital, but she can't do it. It was sort of like a line in the sand when she, I was aware of when she starts saying I can't do it, that we're progressing. And I wanted the midwife to understand we're at that point already. Yeah, yeah. And um, And she said, what time was this? 10.30 at night? She said, um, okay, great. Well, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> you, you, you let me know when it's time. And I was horrified because <laughs> I thought my text would be enough to get her in the car and speeding her way over here <laughs> because the baby's about to arrive. And instead she tells me she's going to bed. <laughs> and now I had to relay that information to Lauren G., which was a challenge. Um, so I got on the phone. I did relay it. To I think you. she rang you. Yeah, you did. And I was like, oh, no, that's right. I replied to Arlene. I said, um, can you just remind me how will I know when it's time? Because I thought it was time. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> so she rang me straight away. And she said, would Lauren G like me to come and just and just do a check and then you know I can go home if yeah if appropriate she she doesn't live far from us um and if not well I can stay and we'll get going with it and you were very happy with that yeah. approach weren't you so Arlene came and do you want to talk about <laughs> the way you greeted her <laughs> she she said to us previously that oh no she's not she's she said good. during one of our um checkups we'd we'd said you'd said to Arlene you know I might get as you know I might get a little bit crazy during the labor and say things that I think I want that I don't ultimately want yeah how we sort of 
are you how are you going to manage me <laughs> during that time and Arlene said she's not she's like I'm not going to believe you in the middle of an, a contraction that you want an epidural I'm going to see how you're feeling outside of it and so she walked in on the night when you were in there and um she walked in and I just looked at her and I said I've asked three times in between contractions that I but she said would you just like me to check you and we decided that we didn't want to be checked but I knew that I might want to be checked once like yeah. we hadn't been checked the whole way through pregnancy I didn't want to stretch and sweep didn't want any of yeah. that because you know when I'd previously been to get a smear test and stuff I'd found that quite I just found that I closed up a lot yeah. and I didn't want to have that um, through birth and so um, she did a check and she said you're five centimeters dilated and your cervix is very very thin and soft and, soft and um, I could easily stretch you to eight um, and the baby's head's right there um, and I was disappointed because I thought surely yeah. I should I know this is the problem, the fixation. I have to make another video in Sheba. It's about like descent is more important than dilation. But that number, people love the centimetres and there's an obsession with that. It's really hard for the mind not to attach onto that. But the head being low and the thinness is more important than five. Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, I didn't. And your emotional state, the kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I really didn't know that. And I just, all I knew was it felt very intense. And if it was going to keep going at this rate, I, and it was needed to get worse, I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to handle it. Um, but she said, do you want to get in the pool? Because at that point I was using... Um, What's it called? The um, buzzy things? The tens machine. <laughs> the Honestly, your brain. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah gray, gray matter shrinks. It does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Goldie, if you need a break at any point, it's totally fine. She just likes me to watch her when I'm breastfeeding. Oh, <laughs> mommy, look at me. And to be quiet. <laughs> yeah. So I got in the pool. And literally, I think within half an hour, an hour, I needed to push. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And I lay, um, and up until that point, I, um, watching her labor, I was in, I doubted that we were in labor at all because really? she, she was so, she was doing it so easily on the outside. I couldn't detect any. I couldn't detect challenge in her. She was calm. She was inner. She was doing her breathing. It looked, she looked peaceful from yeah. the beginning. Yes. And that's not what we... Well, that's right. The, the inner experience is often different to how it, you know, appears. It's, it's pretty wild in there, that conversation in the head and the intensity in the body. She was just managing so well. And it's, would you say it's sort of not what we expected you to be like when when there was strong physical sensation being experienced yeah I think the main thing that I was um concerned about was just really like I was worried that my mind wasn't going to cope like I felt like 
I think I can handle the physical side of it. It's just, what if I panic? Mm. And what if I like, I feel like I can't do it anymore. That's, that's the thing. I just felt like I was worried that my mind wasn't going to persevere through it and, and just want to, you know, just cut, I don't know, just drop out of the whole experience completely. And in my mind, I was like, oh, okay, this is getting really intense. But I knew from Shebus that if I kept my face soft, if I did my breathing, that it was going to be less painful. So I, it wasn't that I was like, yeah, I'm going to have a peaceful birth. Yeah, I'm going to be like a bliss mama. Like I was just like, <laughs> to make this less bad. <laughs> I will do the work of relaxing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was desperation. I totally get it. Yeah. I was I didn't have any idea that I was going to have some sort of amazing birth should we take a little break yeah what does Goldie need whatever Goldie needs some attention she needs some attention well should we get up and have a little yeah stretch? do you want to get a cup of tea yeah yeah we'll do that look it's uh, we kind of pause at 108 no it was so it's so big everything you're sharing as well yeah. like I'm actually still with your mum yeah I know <laughs> Such a big story. Well, why don't we take like a little break? So we're back. We just had a little break. Lauren, G has got her special post-birth vitality milky drink. <laughs> Yay. What's it called? Just in case anyone's listening, what's you can do a plug for this it's, great product. Yeah, it's an Australian product. It's called HQ, which I can't remember what that stands for but it's post-birth vitality and it's like a powdery drink. It's a Chinese herb medicine thing, but it tastes delicious. Oh, nice. I had a week without it post-birth and I definitely noticed a change in my hormones. Um, Really? Yeah. And I didn't have the baby blue drop after birth and I was taking it every day. So I do definitely recommend it for anyone yeah, I've got no affiliation with them at, at all. No, no. Like, <laughs> absolutely think it's amazing. So, so yeah, good. yeah, really balancing. Beautiful. Thank you. I suppose I just, as we're going to jump back into the birth story, I just, um, I'm just really quite amazed that you guys managed um, to stay calm and to process um, death yeah. during pregnancy. Yeah. So I just want to really acknowledge that as well because grief and pregnancy don't often go really well together and no. it's a really, really tough, um, I mean, it sounds like there was a beautiful passing for your mum in yeah. a way, very conscious, uh, the ideal really of a death doula kind of approach of everyone being yeah. aware. I just want to acknowledge as well, it's not always like that for a lot of mums and the, the ones that I notice who go through grief during pregnancy, it can it can sometimes play out as birth trauma as yeah. well because yeah. it's so hard. It's just almost impossible to process during the pregnancy. Yeah, and I was really concerned about that. For Yeah, the- right. I was really worried that I would get to the labour and I'd just be like, I can't do this. Like, I need my mum here. Yeah, right. That's great. I really was wondering that, like how you related to your mum during the labour and what you felt um you know I'd said to mum mum I'm you know the the first day when they took her off all of the medication I said I don't 
I wish that you could be there. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. And she said, you'll, you, you'll be able to do it. She kind of almost was dismissive of me. Of course you can do it, you know. And I think, again, that was her having to disengage a bit in order to pass. And, um, and she said, I'll be there. And I think by having Megan there, um, my mum's best friend, it felt like... Um, like it just felt like she was there and right at the beginning when Megan had come back from the walk walking the dogs I said Megan can you get the photo of mum and we had a moment where we hugged and we cried and then from there on in I think the quickness of it the quickness of the labor just pulled me in and I really at one point Arlene our midwife said to there was a lot going on in the room the dogs were in here we in our meditation studio (laughs) like we made it into a I called it the birth suite there were like a (laughs) hundred images and one of the things that had happened was I was so sad about not connecting you know having that connection before the labor not being able to connect with my friends they'd sent me this beautiful box Um, which had all of these affirmations and words of encouragement and like just beautiful, even their kids had written things. Babies need to eat lots of vegetables, you know, just like the sweetest thing. You'd say the bestest thing. Can I add one? Literally I was running the soul mama circle in Malambimbi last week and there's a mum there who's about to have her third. And she started writing her affirmations in the morning and her son, four-year-old says, I got one for you. Your vagina will open. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the best. Like that's like the best friggin' affirmation to stick up, like above the birth pool. Thanks, little one. Yeah, I love it. Anyway, sorry, go off on the affirmations. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just all of these beautiful words and encouragement, and we kind of laughed about it because. In the pool, I had my head on the, um, I think you've seen the birth photos. Oh, your photos are so amazing. Yeah, we were so So awesome. Those and, um, and I just had my head on, on the pool facing down in this kind of like Superman pose. Like I just, and I didn't move from it pretty much until I was told to move from it, which we'll get to in a minute. But so I didn't actually enjoy any of the, and I had no. all of this beautiful, and Lauren had put up fairy lights and it was really magical, but I was just eyes closed, so, so, uh, soft face, breathe, do yeah. the breathing. Um. So yeah, that that had been really helpful having those. And we had a picture of mum up on the wall and having her there, even though Megan wasn't the primary person, it was Lauren that was there with me. It just really helped knowing she was there. Yeah. That, that connection to mum. But I think the speed of the labor just didn't allow me to go anywhere else. And yeah. asked me, are you okay? there's a lot going on in this room. We had the photographer, we had the two midwives, we had our two support people and Lauren and the dogs. And sometimes the dogs were being very funny, apparently. (laughs) And I don't know. And everyone was laughing and I find myself being pulled out of that kind of intense place that you go to in labor. Yeah. And, but only very briefly, it happened once or twice and everyone kind of realized and kind of got back into that nice peaceful in between contractions I was cracking jokes and laughing with everyone wow. 
in the contraction, I just needed it to be quiet. And I needed to hold Lauren's hands and on the outside of the pool. We thought she would get in with me, but because of the position I was in, it just wasn't, didn't end up that way. And yeah, she said, do you want everyone to leave? And I said, no, no, I want everyone here. Um, I'm okay. Um, I can stay. I can stay focused. And she was really impressed with that because she said often it can send people off. It can really derail a birth, what yeah. of the room's doing. Yeah. But it was a beautiful energy. And I had this urge to push. I'd, one of the things that I really enjoyed was this roaring that came out of me. Oh, it's so like, I was slightly embarrassed by it, but, and like I kept... <laughs> asking for reassurance am I roaring okay am I doing you know am I doing all the things all right like am I too loud am I too loud (laughs) am I too high pitched am I low enough you know but it was very instinctual and it wasn't it wasn't forced it just came but there's something so powerful about it that I really enjoyed um I don't know if other mums say that but it was just like um it was quite incredible and it's so liberating right it's just like you know the throat opening we hold so much tension there and the cervix opening like it's all opening and life you're just this channel for energy to come through you this opening for life force really for the divine and nature yeah it was incredible I'd have the contraction and then the start of it wasn't great and I'd be like oh in my face and then I'd have to you know soft face soft face (laughs) Um, and then the urge to push came and I said I think I need to push and it felt really good and I said can I start pushing and Arlene's like yes and it was like at that stage um this is quite early on nobody was here yet apart from our two people and so the birth photographer got called the extra midwife stations go and it felt like not very long time before um Arlene said I can see the head Mm. um and I was like really and she's like yeah and I was like but I've just started pushing and she said you can down and touch if you want and I was kind of scared that I might damage her in some way if I do and I felt it but she was kind of coming in and out in and out yes um, Your waters must have gone then before then. Do you remember the waters breaking or anything like that? No. I really, because we're in the pool. I, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes we don't feel. I did feel at one point, I think there was something. I remember, yeah. I, I think maybe my waters might have broken. It must have, it yeah. It didn't really feel like much at all. Yep. And then um, I was pushing, I guess, what felt for us like quite a long time because Lauren had heard that the head was there she was really nervous at how long it was taking she thought something was right yeah right long in the at the time yes yeah like it was so So rapid um but in my head I was like I was like oh no she's been stuck in that that's right yeah right yeah I had started to get worried on on the inside but, but you were fine. <laughs> I was fine. I was like, they kept checking the Doppler. I'm like, are they checking with the Doppler that her heart rate was okay? And I was like, yep. are they checking because they're concerned? And I, in my head, I was like, she's fine. You don't need to check, you know, like, and the whole way through her heartbeat was steady 140. Cause I'd ask, what's her heart rate? <laughs> 140. I'm like, okay, good. And then, um, 
after a while they said you need to get into a different position and I was really mm. nervous because I'd found this pose that was working mm. I could manage the sensations and they said we want you to come onto your back and take your hands underneath your um, knees uh, under mm. no under your womb but you were you're under your- oh I was on my knees yeah in the pool in the pool and Leaning under back. your womb and we want you to lean back with the next contraction and pull up and yeah. I was like okay and oh it was so uncomfortable and those are the photos that you can see I will share some with you to put on yeah. if you want. yeah and, um those are the faces where I'm like my face is like you yeah know, see the grimace especially I'm like trying to keep my face off but the grimace is there and then we got into the runner's lunge um which was eventually the pose which I ended up been in when she fully came through and and so can we just explain like to people like why Arlene recommended you do that so she was you were pushing and the little one was descending and retracting descending retracting as normal but then that lift of the womb was that because her head was slightly asynclitic or a brow presentation like what Arlene say was going on there I think actually it wasn't Arlene that suggested it. It was the other midwife, Claire, who oh, was yeah. a specialist in home birth um, and had a lot of good. In optimal positioning as well. Yeah. yeah. And I, we actually don't know why they chose that position to start with. I think they said her, she was a little bit, maybe a little bit trapped trying to get uh, all she I remember to come around a corner under, yeah around. under the cubic oh, room like under that little that she needs to come around and yeah. she's struggling to come around it but we didn't actually find out specifically what it was mm-hmm. it's yeah okay like, let's just try something different. yeah let's but see then, if we make a bit more progress with a different yeah. position yeah so when things aren't taking just for people listening like so when things are taking a bit of time and maybe a little bit longer than normal that lift of the womb is kind of the same as, you know, reversing or inverting the body as well. It's a bit like just letting the head come up from where it is so that they can maybe reconfigure themselves, tuck their chin a bit and get that that back of the head coming through first. So, yeah, something, it's like a reversing, just pulling them up a little bit. Maybe I'm not. That might yeah. be right, actually. Mm-hmm. And then, because they wanted me to do that, but then they wanted me into the runner's lounge. Yeah. And I've got very... Did you do that in the pool? I yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. We moved into the runner's lounge in the pool and um, they were squeezing my hips. I've got very little hips and Lauren had actually secretly not shared with me, wondered how I was going to get a baby out because um, <laughs> he's so little. Um, and so they were squeezing my hips, I guess... The top of your hips, like yeah, top of my yes. Hips. So this is an Ina May Gaskin technique where one on, is on either side and pushing. Yeah. So if you think of this is the top of the hips and this is the bottom, so pushing at the top, yeah. like that to try and broaden that pelvic outlet. Yeah. And I just I have to give a shout out to midwives. God, what a great midwives you had, like just really incredible. Yeah. Our midwives, all midwives, like just what a job they do. Mm. Like they're so oh, awesome. And doulas, all every anyone involved in that birthing space is just, yeah, just like we were in awe of our midwives mm-hmm. afterwards. We couldn't stop thanking them for just yeah. delivering our baby so safely and, and, the, and, and having to be so strong to push, yeah, such you a know, physical, physical job, job. Yeah. and to be there sometimes for for days. Yeah, yeah. 
And and you found Arlene. She oh, was your crush, she was, wasn't yeah, she? She really was. You, you had ears for her only. Yeah. If if Arlene said something, I did it. Yeah. Like you know. And so it was quite funny actually because Arlene would be like, say something, and then I'm like, am I? Like she's like, you're doing a good job. And I'm like, am I? And she's like, yeah. And then and everyone else would be like, okay, just say what Arlene says because yeah. like what we're saying is not working. <laughs> <laughs> um. But then they, Arlene came and she said, we want you to try it on the toilet. So we went back to the toilet again, did that lift where I sat on the toilet, lifted mm. my belly up, really didn't like that. So can I please do something else? And they said, let's do the run and lunch. So they turned me around. You're a bit nervous about getting out of the pool. I was, you? yeah. And, you know, I had wanted to give birth in the pool. I'd seen so many beautiful. Yeah. And, but I wasn't attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, whatever Arlene says I'll do and so we got out and Lauren sat on the toilet and I leaned over her with my foot up on the toilet seat and that runner's lunge and I was there for a while and pushing um, quite hard and at one stage I think you know she'd said coffee plunger babe coffee plunger yeah 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 (laughs) I can't but I was mid-contraction what I meant and everyone's like you can you can I was like waited till the contraction ended and I was like no no I know I can I just can't do the coffee plunger anymore it won't work (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I'm doing this I know I'm doing this which was good because I the whole time beforehand I was like I don't actually know if I can do this I'd had this secret fear that I would end up needing to you know have a cesarean because it wouldn't work and not that there's anything wrong with cesareans, they're helpful in that situation, but um, yeah, and then suddenly I heard Arlene, I was so in it that I couldn't hear, I couldn't hear, and I had to ask three or four times, you know, what, what did you say, and Arlene said, stop pushing, stop pushing, stop pushing, I was like, oh, okay, sorry, what do you want me to do, and she goes, I want you to breathe the baby out, I want you to breathe, tiny little push breathe tiny little push and I was like oh am I crown is she crowning and and they were like yeah she's coming out and I was like okay okay and so I just did what they said had that old ring of fire going on and the only time I think I said I can't apart from I need to go and get an epidural right at the beginning um was I can't do this this is so painful and they're like no no you can I was like okay I know that I think I just needed to say it (laughs) totally and then they're like the head's out and everyone's like she's so beautiful she's so beautiful and I was like oh that's you can't really like I don't believe you like you can't just say that about some baby that's not out and they're like no the head's out look down and I was like look down and there was this head and I was like oh my god (laughs) I the whole way through I'd been forgetting why I was doing this and I felt a bit bad I kept saying can you please remind me about Goldie because I'm so in this of what I need to do right now that I couldn't really think about her too much and then very quickly she came out (laughs) you came out and then this little thing that was really she was not so little not so little really what size was she not huge but like she was nine pounds or four nice. pounds one impressive babe 
that out. I think she was maybe slightly posterior. That lift again. I think maybe she was a bit posterior or something. I'm not sure. Just the midwife. You've got to make some noise. Don't I know you? they often make noise when it's a birth story. Yeah. Remembering they do. It's yeah. like it's a remembering of the work because, you know, it's a big journey for them. Yeah. A lot of squishing. Oh, I know. She's okay. She's just making herself known. She often does this. There's nothing wrong. You just want to use your voice, eh? Oh. So did you get that? Did you have an extraordinary feeling? I just remember that time when Leroy's head was out and he's half in my body, half out. Like, wow, that was just so profound to look down and see that. Yeah. And like every woman, I think, particularly in the first birth, they, they, they like, oh, I forgot, you know, like there was a child coming. Like I was so involved in this work and this labour that, yeah, you forget there's a little baby coming out at the end, you know. Uh, I think my first words were, oh, my God, it's an actual baby. <laughs> I was like, I wish I'd said something more profound, but I was so shocked. I was like, whoa. And uh, poor Lauren, I'd been roaring in her ear for the, I didn't realise, but I'd been roaring in her ear for the last couple of hours and she was practically deaf and <laughs> at one stage they actually said um uh take a break take a break for because lauren needs a break not the birthing lauren the other lauren i was like what <laughs> and she was i realized oh i'm actually on lauren you know i'd been so in it I, I'd yeah she was so relieved you want to share why you were relieved because you thought something was wrong. oh yeah, yeah. when goldie came out she she squealed straight away and that's not what you had imagined yeah had you? lauren g had expected her to come out quietly and peacefully <laughs> <Sorry. meditating. laughs> and now for a quick break she births is where science and nature come together as the only scientifically verified birth education course in the world we can help you understand nature's intelligent design for birth while learning the most evidence-based birthing skills. We know that by getting to know yourself and by educating your team well now, you will be able to manage more of the challenges ahead with ease and grace. From our free pregnancy guide to our world-class birth education, to our post-birth Soul Mama Circles, you can be supported to find the mother within you. Our doula service is bespoke and provides only the best-in-class trained birth support to SheBirths families. Over 60% of our mums choose a doula in their birthing room and we know that they will have the best care, best pain relief and evidence-based support for their empowerment. Go to shebirths.com forward slash doula, D-O-U-L-A, and book a free 15-minute consultation today to discuss your needs. And I was just so relieved she didn't do that because I'd listened. It was so helpful for me to listen to and watch the birth stories of SheBirths and also in your podcast. In the end, 
I just, I couldn't get enough stories. Yeah. I felt really informed and prepared for sort of all the possibilities because I listened and watched so many. And so I, I knew there were some where babies come out, eyes closed, completely quiet and need to be roused a little bit. And, and so hearing stories like that, I was like, whoa, I'm so glad I heard that because if that happened to me without warning, I would be really frightened about what I was yeah. witnessing. So I felt intellectually ready for anything. But when Goldie came out, she she roared straight away and it was just <laughs> such a relief for me that this baby's here and she's breathing and she's alive because in the probably the last hour and a half of Lauren's really rapid labour, I had got very scared, um, which I hadn't been, had I, throughout throughout the nine months and, and in the early stages of the labour. I hadn't felt fearful. Um, but in the birth, our, our birth suite, so many people in the room and, and our midwives were wearing masks because of COVID. And so I was constantly trying to look for indication of, uh-huh. of yeah, facial oh, recognitions. And there's yeah. not ongoing commentary <clears throat> from them of what's going on and whether it's good or not. No. So I was always looking for the face and the face is so protected by the mask that all I had was the eyes and I'd see the midwives get the Doppler out and check for the heart. And with, with these checks, they were getting me really anxious on the inside. Right. I was fearful that the checks were because something was wrong yeah. and I was just ready for them to tell us, okay, we've got to get an ambulance here. It's, we're not tracking as well as we should be and she's in distress you know I was a baby I was in distress as a baby that was what my birth right. was like. um, and so I guess I had some yeah, an imprint around that and so with every check with the Doppler I was just hanging to hear the heartbeat that she's still there she's still okay and sometimes there was some challenge in them finding it wasn't it yeah. But they always did, and it was always beautiful and steady when they found it. But those moments before being told, that's the heart and it's okay, I was like, oh, the next thing we're going to hear is that yeah. she's not okay at all. Um, so there was a, a, a period of, um, of real fear and worry for me whilst trying to support Lauren G through her contractions. It's very internal. Um other than some tears that came out that you you sprung, you felt them on on your face as well. My mm. tears of fear. Mm. Um, That's right. And I said to her, I go, babe, are you crying? This is in the birth. She's like, it's okay. I said, it's okay. I'm fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> and then I'm like straight back into the next contraction. She was so fine. It was so reassuring to hear that, even though I was afraid, she was she was not. Yeah, and she was not. Um, which was a bit of a role reversal from how it had been. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was a, a bit of a surprise. I think it's a really important point that you bring up, Lauren, if because like partners bring their fears into the space as well. Of course, how can you not? Mm-hmm. And you know, you've highlight, you've just mentioned it briefly, but it's actually a very significant element that comes in is the the partners' birthing experience and their imprint and 
you're rewiring and processing that in this moment of watching your daughter being born. Of course, you're going to, in the same sense, relive your own on a cellular level, your own birth. Mm. And so unless you're in a space that's really tender and holding and secure and reassuring, like that can amplify, like that can be fed, that fear in other environments as well. And it can be like you needed to be told and reassured that you were okay. Yeah, I had this overwhelming urge as we were holding hands on the edge of the pool while she was still in the pool. And I was becoming fearful and really emotional and doing my best to keep it inside. I had this overwhelming urge to say to the midwife, I'm not okay. I need something. But I also knew that this is not the time or place for it to be about me. Mm. Um, but it that didn't remove the fact that there, there was some sort of desperation in me yeah. for, I needed I needed to be soothed. Mm. And yeah. the soothing came actually inadvertently through Lauren G feeling the, the tears on my face and asking, are you crying? And then telling me, I'm okay, everything's fine. And that was so wow. um, transformative for me mm. to hear. Then I was b- back on the job. When we got to the toilet, I felt at my most useful because she needed so much physicality at that time, helping her. Her legs were so exhausted and mm. trembling and in the position I was in, I could lean my legs against hers and help them stay steady. And all I had to do was let her squeeze me as tightly as she needed to. And I thought, yes, now I can use my physicality to support you, which is a space that I feel confident in. Um, so you squeeze as, as hard as you need to. You scream as loud as you like. <laughs> like I, I, I've got it now. And, and all this is internal. I wasn't yeah. any of that. But yeah. I felt on the toilet, okay, we're, I'm all right now. I can be here yeah. as well as possible mm. for you. Uh, and everyone else got to see Goldie before we did yeah. because we were like head to head in this embrace of, of effort yeah uh and people are saying she's so beautiful her head's out and and then you look down and and you said oh my god babe it's an actual baby <laughs> we were both too scared to yeah to reach and touch and even to take that look um and then to reach down and they asked if we wanted to catch, and it had been one of our strong birth preferences that we wanted to catch her, but for some reason, neither of us wanted to. Yeah. We're like, no, 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 you do it, you do it. Yeah. I don't know why. I think I just needed to feel like I was focusing on getting that her mm-hmm. out finally yeah. at the end, and it felt a bit complicated with my arms around Lauren and, you know, being, yeah, yeah. so then... She I screamed think, and, yeah. oh, I breathed such a relief yeah (laughs) she's here she's breathing her heart's beating she's she's alive she made it she's happy she's healthy and she went straight to the breast yeah and I think one thing that I wanted to um sorry about that truck noise um one thing that I wanted to share because I didn't know that it 
was a possibility was that after she was out, I felt so high. Like I was coming, <laughs> I was coming down from. She was the best comedy act. <laughs> you'd have you'd have paid big bucks to, to I witness just, her in action. I was my energy. Like I was coming back from somewhere. Like yeah. out you know like and that sounds really esoteric but I just felt so big that bringing my attention to this little baby I couldn't bring it back into her and you know I was expecting to have this moment where I was like oh my god it's my baby and I'm so in love and we'll breastfeed and it'll be so chill and silent but I was just everywhere else except for with her and I worried that there was something wrong with me, that my connection to her, that I was causing some sort of problem, but I just couldn't. I was just, it was like I was hyperactive, like I'd had 10 cups of coffee, but it's not like that at all because you just feel amazing for yeah. birth hormones. And there was a lot that needed to happen after we'd given birth, you know, they wanted to have that skin to skin time. They wanted to check me out to see if I needed stitches. They we needed to birth the placenta. placenta. Like there was a lot going on. And um, we had to move back into the birth suite out of the bathroom, birth suite into the studio out of the bathroom um, to just be somewhere more comfortable. It was also a very small cramped space in there. And I had some skin to skin time, but it was like I couldn't focus on Goldie. Yeah. And, um, so they kept on saying, Do you want us? We'll birth the placenta and Lauren G can hold her and, you know, uh, Lauren mm -hmm. F, sorry, can hold her and, and we'll go through that process and, or um, uh, what else? Like just they were giving me options just to help me ground down and just to get these things out the way so I could be with Goldie and put my attention on her um go and have a shower all of that sort of stuff do a wee do a wee which I could not do no. and um the beautiful thing about that I started to feel quite guilty about mm. that quite a few weeks on when mm. I realized and I was going back and thinking about how non-present I was with Goldie and, and you were quite fixated on how how long did it take me before I yeah, held her, before yeah, I fed her? Yeah. How much time passed? Do you think that was detrimental? Yeah. You got worried about it. Because, you know, you heard how important it was um, to have that time, that skin-to-skin -skin time. But one of the beautiful things was that Lauren got that skin-to-skin -skin time with Yes. I yeah. had that good been able to get colostrum before um in the last few weeks before the birth and so they gave her some colostrum they had her on um she had her on her chest yeah, we had skin skin, to skin goldie time. and i had yeah. skin, skin yeah. time she suckled on my finger yeah i fed her your colostrum that we'd collected and in the meantime you know i had some grazing on my labia maybe and they stitched that up and there was a little internal tear where I got some yep. stitches and I mean I was so high they probably could have done it without an anesthetic to be honest like I just wow to come back into the room yeah and so once all of that stuff was done I mean she was born at 201 05 sorry and I think we got into bed at 7 a.m like there was a yeah. lot of there was a lot of things happening and then 
she was on my chest they got me into bed and I was suddenly that was when I landed with her and I was like oh here she is she's ours this is so beautiful we quickly told the grandparents and Ross and then went to uh, Lauren went to sleep I just stayed awake and just stared at staring yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's been up for 24 hours and didn't have the hormones. So she and have been, you know, totally physically used. I wanted, to, help I wanted to stare at her and my body, but she would have needed a rest. <laughs> yeah. So, and a friend of ours had said that, you know, it's going to be hard for you because, um, you know, the mum's got, the birth mum's got all the hormones, but you'll be wrecked. So just rest as much as you can when you can. Um, and then that's when I had that moment. But I wanted to bring that up because for quite a long time yes. after the birth, I just felt awful. Like, what's wrong with me? And that it took me so long to really connect with her properly. And I think for some people, I think probably that can just happen. We, I probably an extreme case of it, but I didn't know it could happen, that it was kind of natural and it was fine to feel that high from the birth. Hormone. Yeah. Yeah, I think you had an amplified experience, you know, your body from all the years and your mind, your brain, your nervous system is has been primed for bliss and has dropped into bliss. Those hormones of transcendence, the beta endorphins that come through meditation, you know, you're in a loving, you know, woman relationship, same sex, and I think that amplifies oxytocin as yeah. well and you had lots of women around you which brings oxytocin even higher and you were in a very safe space you had a natural normal physiological birth but then post-birth it's an ecstatic state yeah. so frontal lobe completely shut down with those endorphins and all that oxytocin and it's very cosmic yeah. and it's beyond cosmic right it even you know it becomes like this I think a universal kind of I don't know consciousness state I don't know how you measure it. you guys would know that more but I just yeah that combined with the vata as well I think <laughs> it's just it's profound and and things do happen the way they're meant to happen like they really do the fact that Lauren F got to have lots of skin on skin and that you know what a blessing yeah. as well right so I, I don't know. I'm just taking it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's really helpful. It makes definitely makes me feel like it even was better. even better. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that was our beautiful birth. And I love it. One of the things that we wanted was a supported postpartum. So we had Megan and Bry stay for another week after and Bryce stayed for two weeks actually and it was really like a little village it was so nice and it was we felt a lot of grief when they went home mm. um though by the time Bry went home after two weeks we were feeling like yeah we can do this now um and we also hired a postpartum doula and mm. she's an Ayurvedic postpartum doula which awesome. is now what we're really into and she's just like beautiful hasn't had kids yet herself um but just an amazing kind of you know born to be this person to be in this birthing space and just come she'd she's still coming um wow that's awesome yeah um we we unfortunately got COVID really early on mm. we'd been trying so hard we'd been in isolation for so long we couldn't believe no one was coming around because we were doing 40 days of being in a just with our little crew 
Um, and somehow we caught COVID probably from a supermarket trip or something. Um, yeah. And then we unfortunately gave it COVID to our doula. Um, <laughs> and so we had a period without her, which was quite challenging um, and without any support. Um, probably about three and a half weeks in, mm -hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and we recovered. Um, and then she came back and so she, she would come in and she'd be with us for four hours and cook us a meal and like make some lactation cookies or something. And then, you know, hold the baby so I could have a shower and, you know, just hold support, the washing. Hold the washing and she was such good company. company yeah. yeah. Conversational. It's that normalizing as well, I think, all those little conversations, those incidentals. Yeah. And that acknowledgement of what you're doing and how Goldie's doing. Yeah. That village again, right? Beautiful. And the first thing she does when she comes in is we sit down and say, How's it been the last couple of yeah. years? Talk through everything. So yeah. because my family are mostly in Wellington and um, Lauren's family and our friends as well are in Sydney, we don't have the same support network here. So it was really important to us that we had that. Um, and that we we were like, if we can't create it, let's just pay for it, you know. So um that was a big thing that we wanted mm -hmm. and it's been a real blessing she's been really helpful and we really feel like we're finding our feet as a result of that and yeah. kind of graduating soon from that which will be good too so yeah that was our experience we also had um we have my mum's ashes here yeah. a beautiful painted a beautiful box um uh, for it and mm. we um, our family later this year are going to go on the anniversary of the death and sprinkle it in a special place that's important to us um, but I asked my siblings if it was okay if we take some of mum's ashes because in New Zealand and the Maori culture it's very traditional to bury the placenta back back into Papa Tuinuku um, back into the earth mother yeah and so, uh, a friend of mine had gifted me um a, a voucher to go and buy a beautiful um uh, flower a plant and a pot because mm. we don't um own the place that we're living in at the moment so we wanted to be able to take that with us so gardenias are my mum's favorite oh. flower and we just had a really special time with while megan was still here and um put on my mum's playlist um that she listened to in the hospital um, and her favorite song is fields of gold um, and so we listened to the Cassidy version yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful that song <laughs> yeah. and it seemed fitting because we have our little goldie and so we buried the placenta with some of mum's ashes into her beautiful into um, the beautiful pot. pot with the gardenia yeah, which was really special like there was something of them together um yeah and that was that was quite meaningful for us mm. and yeah so it's good to have those little ceremonies so important rituals just so important yeah. to signify the sacredness of this whole journey and uh, and just <clears throat> you know that the you know the intention of she births is not just education to help people feel empowered but it's to help restore the sacredness back yeah. to this process of parenting, of loving, of relating. Yeah. 
you know, and um, to help people awaken to the intelligence, natural intelligence, but the sacredness, restore the sacredness. And I just love that people are doing that now. So many people are, and you guys have done it beautifully. And I have to say that we joined, I joined the Soul Mama Circle, um, the online one, obviously, and that has been so incredible as well. It's such a beautiful thing that you've set up because um, those ladies are just absolute gems and um, the facilitator, Leah, amazing. Um, but I, you know, I honestly was naive about what becoming a mother would be. And, um, you know, I just thought, okay, we'll pop out a kid and, you know, definitely surrender to her needs, but we'll just get on with life, you know, and not realizing that there's this huge change that takes place inside of you, emotional, mental, physical, spiritual. And that matriarchate journey through um, the Soul Mama Circle, we've literally just finished yesterday and we're going to continue on um was I needed that I was so desperate for connection um to talk through the birth story to have dive into these deeper topics rather than just talking about you know breastfeeding or you know like the everyday stuff which you do need assistance with and it's good to chat to other mums about but actually diving deeper and so that's been so powerful and I do really recommend um for women to join that because it's made a huge impact for me moving into that mothering role um and we'd talk through the topics mm-hmm. each week oh, beautiful which was great I'm like this is the topic for this week and we'd talk about how we were feeling about the various things and um yeah so, love hearing that yeah and mm. I think just one other thing you know her dad's coming two days away so the borders are finally opening and um she's he's coming to finally meet her he's coming to stay with us which is really exciting but um you and I all three of us were talking just before about with same-sex couples about what's appropriate mm. not appropriate to ask and um you know because our situation is quite um I guess unique not it's not completely unique there are other same-sex mums that are couples mums that do this but we purposely chose to bring um to have this very dynamic three-parent relationship where you know ross is her dad not her donor um but for most for a lot of same-sex parents um it's not usually that appropriate to say who's yeah. dad, you know it's like actually they don't have a dad we're the parents we're the mums yeah that's right there's it's a donor has given us the sperm or maybe um, and it's I've, I've heard stories of people asking it in front of the children yeah mm-hmm. you know it's just completely inappropriate wouldn't ask anything about somebody else's fertility journey or family you know structure you know, certainly not in front of kids. So I think it is really important. Yeah, and also the process. There's something I think about being in a same-sex couple where, or a rainbow couple of any kind, where people feel like it's okay to ask how you got pregnant. And I just think that's 
an inappropriate question for anyone. Um, yeah. I really say, so did you have sex with him? And I'm like, I'm married. Like I'm in a loving relationship. I'm not, and yeah. it was none of your business. Um, like, yeah. so, you know, that was during her pregnancy when we kind of were wanting to make the celebration about the baby, not about the interesting story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the slightly different story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's really good to be careful and not careful, but mindful of. I think it's about um, engaging the deepest empathy that you can find. Yeah. You know, as a question asker, if I was in those two mum's shoes, how would I feel about someone inquiring about the way I got pregnant or who who is the baby's donor or dad? if we can achieve empathy and ex imagine what the, the experience is like for someone else, then we avoid um, offensive questions or disrespectful yeah. conversation or inappropriate timing. Yeah. So, yeah, beautiful. So, yeah. But also I appreciate what a minefield yeah. it can be for the others who witness something to that to them is is very different yeah. very new very fascinating mm. entertaining and the compulsion to to know more for the most part comes from a good place yeah and and it's tricky to to tread lightly and get it right we appreciate that yeah, um, yeah. But sprinkling some empathy in there yeah. would would help and of course we, we've learned from from that how yeah. to empathize with others oh, situations yes. how yeah. to how to tread carefully ourselves when yeah. exploring yeah. someone else's journey yeah beautiful yeah. yeah it's good to share those those comments thank you so what would you say to a pregnant family out there people who are pregnant not knowing what to do during their pregnancy, prepare for birth. Is there any little messages you want to share as a, a little summary to families out there? Do Shiva's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. And I just have to say, you are the most, the, the couple that has harassed me the most to share. <laughs> so thank you for that. I love that. I really appreciate that. Because we missed, I didn't record that at the beginning, that conversation. But yeah, you were saying, yeah, that you wanted more people to know about it because you've known about Shebus for ages. Yeah. We've talked for a long time about this. So, and to yeah. finally do it and to be like, you know, because I'd promoted it to all my students, all my friends for such a long time. And now I'm like, oh, yeah. And now I know it's really good because I've done it myself. I know how good it is. Mm -hmm. I knew it was good before, but. I was like, yeah, this is this is the ticket. This is, and you're so amazing at how you present it. Like, you could just listen to you for hours yeah. on the call, oh. <laughs> and just you're, you know, your attention doesn't get lost for a moment because no. everything's. We were talking about it. Yeah. We were, how great you were at facilitating yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I think I if from the non-birthing parent perspective the big one of the big things that she births gave me was a acknowledgement of how relevant and important and critical my role is mm, yeah. I didn't I didn't know that 
until until we pressed play on your sessions. Wow, um, I love hearing that. I I just thought, oh, this is I just I underestimated the entire thing. Mm-hmm. This how sacred pregnancy, labor, and birth is that it's not just something to be got through that there's so much more available within it to grow and and learn and just experience awe and wonder over Um, but it was only a few minutes into the first she births online session where I was like oh I wasn't even gonna do this I was gonna let her do it and thank god I didn't because I'm I'm, it's starting to dawn on me that I need to show up here and I need to be ready. And right now I'm not. And this is just in time learning for me. Um, to what to hear the other birth stories and, and watch the mums talk about their partner and how needed they were, I was like, oh, God, I don't want to be the one who... <laughs> Who, do, who the mum doesn't have anything nice to say about. <laughs> I've got to get in gear here. And, and it was because of the course that I just, it, getting on board was magnetising. I couldn't not after yeah. realising I am, I have a responsibility here and, yeah. and it's a huge one. Yeah. And I want to be part of this thing. I don't want to be just an onlooker and a, a witness. I want to be involved. And Shebirths just drew me right in from the get-go. I had been sort of not disengaged, oh, yeah. but you had done so much research and so much reading for the those months prior. Oh, yeah. And I'd set up the nursery and that was therapeutic for me, but I hadn't learned anything. Um, I she births was just it just blew the top off my head um I had come in as a non-understander of home births um and you know the biggest thing I can't not mention it is in one of your podcasts which I just went mental for once I finally got in on board I was I was a podcast a day at least from your channel And you interviewed a lady who, you'll forgive me for forgetting her name, based in the UK. I think she was the lady who who does the birth scripting. Oh, yeah, Peter Kelly. Yeah. And you both talked about this book called The Continuum Concept. Yeah, that's a wild book. That's awesome. You didn't talk much about the content because you were both so um, blown away by it that you didn't need to talk about the content when you're in conversation with one another and you were both just this is the best book ever and I could I could feel it and I just knew what I don't know what this book is but but I have to read it and I bought it that day we were about three months from three weeks from Goldie's birth three to four weeks and I read the continuum concept and my whole approach to parenting was flipped on its head yeah it just resonated it was just what I needed just in time um and it was facilitated through through 
you and she births that we landed on that knowledge mm. when we needed it hey? yeah. yeah the continuum concept is a book of remembering isn't it mm. it's that book of remembering the way that we have loved and raised our children since the beginning of time and everything sort of post-industrial revolution and post sort of the Christian patriarchal kind of overarching paradigms Everything else has kind of got to be inverted, flipped around, like you say, turned on its head because it's a lot of it's just rubbish and not helpful at all. Yeah. It was super helpful. I didn't read it. I just got a summary each night. Yeah. Which was enough. And we were, yeah, we've taken that approach with her. We talk about it daily still. It's very, it was really helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the Vedic approach to parenting is another conversation to have as yeah. well. You know, we could have that at another time. Let <laughs> <laughs> you get further down the road as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Main thing which you talked about in the course with our approach with her is that we know that she chose us rather than us just randomly having some baby come through and our role as parents is just to allow her to thrive and evolve and um, to achieve what she needs to achieve rather than putting anything on that. And there's a surrender to her that's come, I was surprised, but come quite naturally, a devotion to her and a surrender that's been quite easy for both of us with letting go of, you know, our attachment to getting anywhere on time or doing anything that we want to do, if it's not fitting in with her, I mean, we're, we're very privileged that we can do that with our lifestyle, but where we can just surrender to what her needs are. And it's meant that parenting, I mean, I guess caring for her, because we don't really have to do much parenting at the moment, but is it's been pretty smooth and she's been a pretty happy baby as a result of it she's probably a happy baby anyway but um yeah it's, it's yeah all that meditation throughout the pregnancy and and post-pregnancy I think helps as well so I think meditating is definitely yeah. the other big thing that I would say to parents because whatever stress that mm. you're bringing into a situation that's going to ultimately without stressing you out about it is going to have an imprint on your child and or is going to stop you from having maybe success with your fertility or whatever so if we can get rid of stress and access that deep calm state then that's going to set you up well for whatever it is that you achieve yeah it's going to only help things it can't certainly hinder that's for sure absolutely absolutely well well, thank you both and thank you Goldie for letting (laughs) your mummies share your story of how you wanted to come into the world so special so special I wish I was in Auckland now it's just (laughs) beautiful over there right now light coming in and Yeah. yeah yeah We're um we're so grateful. You know, actually, on behalf of the world, we're the world is so grateful for for you and yeah. what you've built in Shebirds. Yeah, um, it is top notch. Yeah, um, and you know, not just Shebirds. The the 
sometimes I try and contemplate what it took to put this together and it's too big. It's too big for me to understand. So we try and appreciate the the amount of time and study and experience that you've brought to this program Mm. and it's too big to understand. (laughs) Know that that's appreciated even though we can't fully feel it. Um, Mm. And And the space you hold as well. It's a huge space to hold for people and you do it beautifully yeah and also what you've continued to do in these times in the northern rivers what you're what you're giving to mums parents to the community that is struggling um it's for that we want to say the world thanks (laughs) it's very very special yeah thank you Well, thank you for seeing it and feeling it and for sharing it. Yeah, and just meeting it. Um, Yeah, I think there were many lifetimes that kind of brought me to this point. Yeah, Uh, it was just a choiceless, (laughs) rendered choiceless. I knew it was going to be so much hard work at the beginning of She Versus. I was like, oh, no this is going to be really hard at times but like I feel like I have to do it just have to do it it's just like you know like labor yeah Yeah. really yeah exactly like birth well thank you yeah well I'll let you go and enjoy your beautiful um anniversary yeah your wedding anniversary today are you going for a special lunch yeah yeah Yeah. time to go Thank yeah. you so much for sharing. Thanks. Thank you. Darling, lots of love. Bye. Lots of love. I'm Nadine Richardson and you've been listening to the She Births Show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share with a friend and leave us a review. We'd love to know what you would like to hear more of. You can find me and my team of amazing doulas and educators at shebirths.com and our awesome community on Instagram and Facebook. Within any good app store, you can download our free pregnancy guide via shebirths, two separate words and plural, as well as access our range of online courses. Remember, when it comes to having a better birth, an easier transition into parenthood, your education is your empowerment. Don't forget to check out the catalogue of previous podcasts and thank you for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show.